Welcome to an episode of In the Know. Today we're going to talk about trade deadline target, trade deadlines moving up, the Pelicans' recent play, how they've been dealing with the injuries that have hit them across the board, and much more. So tune in. That was cool. Oh, it's yep. always cool. Always cool. Uh, you know what else is cool? That this podcast is sponsored by the Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media, located at 918 Poitras Street by the Superdome. Give them a call at 504-523-5413. If you or someone you know has been involved in an accident, be sure to mention we sent you Birdsaw Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media. Um, shout out Birdsaw. Mason. Uh, my man, how's it going? Uh, your life's been kind of hectic. You've been on paternity leave, beautiful baby daughter, uh, Sophie. How's how's that been for you and, and your wife? And, and how's Sophie? Um, thanks for asking. Uh, everything's good. Everyone's healthy. It's a it's a whirlwind. So she's three weeks tomorrow. And man, I I haven't shaved. I shower every other day. Like this is just like I'm I'm a disgusting human being right now. I, I'm still bathing a little bit more often than our daughter, um, but but not by much. <laughs> it's it's like i don't know learn a bunch of stuff on the fly um and i don't know it's, it's very much i'm my wife and i were out uh getting a drink on sunday our very first time out because her parents were watching uh the kiddo for a bit and we we're just joking about how like you know those instagram posts and stuff everyone's like one month old and like it's been a blessing it's been a dream fuck that man like or like it, they don't do anything like that. You're, you're literally keeping them alive. I, I it's, there's no reactions to anything. It's just like, you, you it, it can get a little bit, a uh, little frustrating at times, but she, she's, she's beautiful. She is, she is great. Those moments when they come, they're great. And we're just looking forward to the point where like we do things and like, she smiles at us and she reacts to us or, or like to actual things that like make us feel good. <laughs> yeah. Right when you start right getting right. object permeance, you know, yeah. like you don't have to take it out of the line of sight. It just vanishes from existence. Um, yeah. So yeah, so, but that, yeah. that's going to be my follow-up is like, you know, you, you obviously like read a lot, talked to a lot of people, et cetera, to prepare yourself. But you know, what, what, what's been one thing that's like really stood out to you, um, after you know sophie was born that luckily this is not what the way it was described to me as or this is more um, than i anticipated or you know it's just it could be positive it could be negative i don't you know i'm not trying to like assign a connotation to it but what's something no. that caught you off guard yeah i mean i i think i think it was kind of what i what i just what i just said that like there's yeah. like you, you know that like they're not they're not going to start actually like responding to things that you do like until a certain point in their lives but just like there is just no gratification around anything that happens like because because you do see all this stuff around I like how, how everyone talks about like entering parenthood and like it's a dream come true and it's hard but it's a dream come true and it's like right now it's kind of just hard <laughs> like it's just it's just um you're you know you're you're, you're putting in the, the time this the sleep schedule like I guess that's one thing is we've just my wife and I have been doing like the we're not sleeping at the same time. Like they say mm -hmm. sleep when the baby sleeps, but also what we're doing is basically like she's taking like two or three naps throughout the day. Cause she kind of has to get up every couple hours. Um, and then like I sleep maybe from like one to seven and, and I'll, I'll grab that, that block and then give her time, like two or three sets or, or throughout the day where she's sleeping for like an hour and a half, you know? So nice. like, that's, that's kind of like, it's been probably a little different, but it's working for us. And I don't, I go back to work next week. So we'll see how, how things, how things change, but yeah, it's a uh, definitely, definitely a life, uh, life turning your life upside down, but um, you know, it's a, uh, we're, 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 we're diving in. Well, here's the, the good things that are uh, on their way. Um, yeah. Excited. Excited. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, yeah, with us. You were in a, well, and not just about me, you were in Austin last weekend, right? How was that? Oh yeah, I was at a I was at a friend's bachelor's party. Um, it was great, Austin. Very fun city. Uh, we we got ate a lot of food, an insane amount of food. Um, I feel kind of disgusting with the amount of food that I ate. Good um, good stuff. Uh, Do you find good stuff for your you know dietary restrictions and everything? Or? Yeah, yeah. They have a huge vegetarian selection pretty much yeah. anywhere we went. Um, yeah, nice. And if not, there was you know like something nearby. Like so, like we went to. Uh, this place called like Cosmic Coffee or Cosmic something or other. And it's like this big like outdoor area that's um, got like all kinds of different like boozy coffees. And they have this really famous um, barbecue food truck called, um, I want to say like Lewis and Ray or something. I don't know. But like the line for that barbecue food truck was an hour and a half. And that's like why my party like wanted to go there. It was just um, 
and and next to it, you know, they had like three or four other food trucks that had stuff for me. So um, nice. I went there, got some some tacos, burritos, uh, that kind of stuff. But that you know, when when their barbecue food came out, I'm like, I don't I don't eat meat. I'm not you know particularly um, uh, moved by like you know barbecue or red meat or anything like that. But when it came out, I'm like, wow, this looks really rich and well done, and looks like it was worth the wait. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, we also like hit up the town, went to their version of bourbon uh, called the Dirty Six, which I'm sure yep. you're familiar with. Um, hit barbs. He's we did hit. Barbs. We did hit nice. barbs. So nice. for for local listeners, uh, Dirty Six is just like a wider version of bourbon. Um, <laughs> so true. And and yeah, just a, a wider and wider. It's not as narrow. And then uh, Barbarella is just like. F and M. <laughs> it's like F and S, but they had um they had TV screens playing music videos while like the music was going on, but they had one TV screen playing everything uh everywhere all at once, like the movie. <laughs> it was just like the wildest like um experience yeah. to just kind of be in that like frame of mind, but also like kind of watching this movie. Kind of, anyways. So, um yeah, and to, to explain what barbs is so so Austin, all the bars close at, at uh, but with Barbarella, that's the unique that you, it basically, they stop serving booze at two, but you can go there and you can get in before two and stay there until they close at like three 30 or four or whatever. So that's, uh, that's the one place you can go and kind of stay later. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, 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 it was fun. Uh, the, the two o'clock like last call hard, no alcohol uh, rule or whatever caught us off guard for sure. The first night we were just, you know, we went out, like we left, we were doing things and like, we went to our, like our venue the first night, like at midnight. Um, and then we were there for like an hour and a half. We're like, what, this is kind of lame. Um, so we were just like, do people just start going out at like nine, 10? Like, I, I don't really know what the rhythm is there, but, um, it was it was a good time, nonetheless. Good. Uh, good. Fun, fun times in Austin. Um, anyways, to to basketball stuff. Um, the the Pelicans, meanwhile, have been struggling. Uh, they got back from a gnarly road trip. They they went two and three on that road trip. Came home, uh, dropped uh, this game to Miami. Worst loss of the season. I took my mother there for her birthday, and uh, not the greatest game to take her to, to say the least. Um, but Mason, general thoughts on on you know what's up with the Pelicans? There's obviously a lot of uh, fans that are feeling strongly one way or another about what's happening with the team, what they should do, what mm-hmm. they shouldn't do. Um, just where are you at? Yeah, I mean the the team. First, shout out to the guys who have been on the floor because they've been able to even on on the road. It's hard to win on the road, no matter where you you know, no matter who you're playing. And they've for the most part been able to take care of business against bad teams. And, and so, and even without their best two players, being able to do that is is notable and commendable. Um, I think you saw the um, the net result of that long road trip and putting in because they they fought every minute of every game. Like there was no there were no games where they could rest players for any even the Pistons game got close late. So and unless I'm forgetting something, there didn't seem they didn't really get a bunch of like. Much reprieve throughout the road trip, and that just came to a head against the team, the Miami Heat, who, you know, of course against the Pelicans, they got everyone healthy, right? They haven't, they feel like they've been resting guys a lot, whether it's Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and but everyone played, and they blew the doors off the Pels, and so, look, they're they're doing what they can with what they got. Shout out to Willie Green, the coaching staff, and everyone. I think you know you and I both talked about some rotational nitpicks again with 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 them, but they. You know, they mostly done a fine job, but they just they need their stars. This isn't rocket science. Like they need their guys back to be the team that we have seen. Um, and so hopefully that happens soon. Um in, in, in BI's case, and and we know Zion is uh probably a couple more weeks out at least, but we'll see. You're muted. I am muted. Uh, I was going to say, let's talk about the Brandon Ingram case. Um, there was an article written by Christian Clark, uh, which received a lot of attention. Uh, in that article, Christian talks about um, Brandon Ingram pretty glowingly, uh, actually, on how uh, he has been the face of the franchise. They've invested in him, and he's invested in them. Um, you know, they, re- they really love what he brings on and off the court. Um, but, you know, the one thing he did mention is is – there is concern, internal concern from players and people on the team um, with sort of how long he's taken to get healthy. And, and it's not a new thing. It's not something that's 
been just this season, you know, it's kind of a, a multi-year process is, is something he said on a podcast recently um, where there's been frustrations about him not coming back uh, until he feels like he's a hundred percent healthy or um, I guess, you know, I, I really don't know what Brandon Ingram feels. So I can't comment on, you know, what his threshold for, for coming back is because I, I think if we look at the, the debate in that sense, like, Hey, if you're the player, you don't feel a hundred percent healthy. Like, I think it's pretty cut and dry in my opinion. Like if he doesn't feel healthy, he doesn't feel healthy. Like he can't play. Especially um, lower body. Lower body is a different animal that could, you know, when you're every single movement, you know, versus like a shoulder or something like that. Right. Or torn labrum. Right. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I think none of us can put ourselves in Brandon Ingram's shoes and, and assume what he's feeling, but um, you know, what, what, what's going on where the frustration is coming from is the fact that uh, it was just a contusion um, a less severe injury than other players who've had uh, injuries to that area um, of, of the body and the MRI has been clean. The x-rays have been clean. Everything else um, has been clean. And so, you know, I don't know if this is something where um, they just need better diagnosis, you know, like, do they need better testing? Do we need a, like, I, I don't know if he's gone to like a third party or an outside individual, what the case is. Um, but there is a disconnect between how the team sees, you know, where his, where his health is at versus where he sees where his health is at. And we've seen these disconnects, like cause a schism between a player and a, and a, a front office before notably Kawhi. Um, you know, we kind of saw it with Derek Rose and I don't think this is something that's headed down that route in any capacity, because I don't think the Pelicans are like really and truly applying pressure, uh, to get him to play, you know, they've, they've been accommodating to the nth degree and, you know, they may grumble about it behind the scenes, but I don't, I, I think they realize like, okay, you know, he's, he's just going to play when he plays. Um, but I, I wanted to get you, you know, your thoughts on what do you think, what do you, what do you make of that whole situation? Yeah. I mean, similar to you in the sense that you, there's, there's things you can't just, you literally can't know unless you are Brandon Ingram as far as how things feel. Right. And so everything has to kind of fall back to that where you can't really, you know, eviscerate the guy because, you know, because he's not on the floor, even though he's cleared, if he's not, you know, it doesn't feel right. Um, that, that being said, um, I think that there is a limit to what um, not just the, the, the front office, but like even the teammates will, you know, put up with for lack of a better term. I feel like, one, they're winning. They have been winning, so it's okay. And two, I think there's something to be said for the fact that Brandon Ingram's absence has allowed other guys, notably guys who are not on big contracts, to step up into bigger roles. And they've had success. And so um, you look at guys like Najee Marshall, Jose Alvarado, um, you know, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, when he's been playing. I mean, all these guys are playing for, like, relatively speaking, peanuts compared to some of the bigger contracts. And so have them being able to play more minutes and play bigger roles – should help them down the road as far as their next contract. And so that I think there, there's a, you know, there might be some financial reasons why they're not hearing rumblings that combined with winning helps. The problem is when games like what happened last night happen in the Miami heat games, if you have, if that starts to, you know, they play good teams and that's, that starts to happen more often. Um, and look, they've got two more road games coming up, Orlando's next and then Miami again. And so like, so the combination of long road trips, uh, depleted roster um, without your stars that can lead to more more games that are similar to what we saw against the Heat. And so if that happens, then you start to probably maybe feel a little bit more animosity and some some nervousness with the, with the team. And so that's what we, you really don't want to see is like, I mean, the front office can have their opinions about about this. And, and I think, you know, fair enough, but you don't want to see any sort of bad blood start to occur in the locker room. Like what guys like Larry Nance and Jonas playing through injuries when, when, when B.I. isn't. And so, again, those Injuries are maybe smaller, and um, with Larry, it's an upper body. Uh, or, or I guess it's been a little bit of both. Um, you know, he's had some Achilles soreness too. So, I mean, that's the one thing I want to make sure is avoided is any sort of like in inner team, um, you know, animosity, which which Christian did allude to a little bit in his article. But it, you know, seems seems like it's okay for now. Yeah, I mean, look, I, and one thing I want to comment on is it's not just the front office, right? It's it's people in the coaching staff and, and, and yep. players like, and like you just mentioned players in the locker room as well, that, that feel this level of frustration. Um, you know, I, what I'll say is that there, there is something to be said about guys like Jonas um, literally like not wanting to miss a game ever. Um, you know, guys 
like Jose guys. I mean, Jose Jose's got money to play for, right? Like Jose is going to try to play every single game he can because he has a, a contract to play for. Um, but you know, like like Larry's been trying to like get, get out there and battle it out. The situation with Zion was Zion was not medically cleared by the team. He was cleared by his own staff uh, or, you know, who, who, the people around him. He wanted to desperately get back on the court. He was trying to show off his windmills, you know, the whole, the whole time, apply pressure uh, on the Pelicans yeah. um, the other way around, right? It was, this is the complete inverse of that situation. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, so there, there, there was that going on. But with Brandon Ingram, I, I think the long-term approach, um, a, a lot of people understand it. That doesn't make the frustrations – um any less right in in the present moment no one likes losing no one likes just kind of watching their like their 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 max player teammate um be on the sideline when when they're going to war and and uh battling night in night it out but i think long term I, I i tweeted about this is when he gets back on the court and they get back to their winning ways People won't care. Like they, they do not care. All of that goes away. We've seen it to to like you know we, we've seen it with Zion, right? Everything that was said uh, by everybody um, last year, uh, including us, um, no one cares. No one, you know. Like, there's obviously like those like stand accounts on Twitter that screenshot everything and, and, and remember things for for all of eternity. But nobody cares in general like what occurred in the past. Like nobody is going to talk about how like science get out on Nashville because it doesn't matter. He is an MVP level player when he's on the court. He's gonna um, contribute at a high level. And the Pelicans are really good when he plays. They win games, so it doesn't matter. Same thing will happen with Brandon Ingram. It won't matter. He just needs to get healthy. Your screen is frozen in a really weird place. And I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I, I, I can hear you. I was trying to see if I can shut down some all, some other stuff. Like I could hear you the entire time. Just like gotcha, like, gotcha. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really funny. It was a funny face. I'm like, ah, I, I hope I hope it shows up. Yeah, I hope it shows up uh, when we actually uh, release it. So that'd be good. That'd be great. Um, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I, you know, the Brandon Ingram situation, I think that the biggest frustration from me individually uh, is just having complete lack of clarity of like what the timeline is. And and that's been an issue with this team and the players on this team for eternity. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think, like, I, I don't know anything about this, but I would bet. So remember, do you remember that game where uh, it was recent where CJ sat just for rest purposes? Mm -hmm. um, I would I would bet a lot of money that they probably said, Jonas, take a break. And then Jonas said, no, <laughs> he still played. He was um, listed so, as questionable. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, there's no way he's going to play. Like just rust everyone who cares. And so I think, was that the Mavs game? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 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 And so, um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I guess my, my question back to you, I think transitioning to the next topic you mentioned the, at the top of the, of the episode was how does, how do you think this kind of, ongoing inability to see all the guys on the floor together impacts the Pelicans approach with the trade deadline. Like, is it, did, do you just have to, you know, make some assumptions or are you more patient at the deadline than you would be otherwise? Just Cause you have, you don't have the, the, the data to, to work with. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Uh, I think it's just a matter of personal preference for me. I can't wait around for them to get healthy. I just can't. It's it's you know we, it's been four years. They played ninety something yeah. games together. I agree. Ten you know ten games of the big three this season. It's just you know the time's gonna pass you by if if you're waiting on this kind of stuff. So what I can do is is you know I have data on on how good Zion is. I have data on how best to use him. I have data on how good Brandon Ingram is. Right. Um, the theoretical fits of, of of those two guys together. I can trust that talented players can figure it out next to each other um and and i am always trying to accumulate talent more throughout the uh, like throughout the season throughout the team building process and so if i can approach this deadline yeah. and bring someone who is a needle mover who is going to a either help out with my regular season win total help maintain home court advantage B, you know, if like we're just not going to have one of these guys in the playoffs, well, that's another reason to go get a guy. Um, C, if we do have these guys in the playoffs and we got this guy, uh, then then you're looking at you know a team that can make a deep run. And so I just I just see very little downside with with I mean the, the downside is like opportunity cost and not building slowly and you know that kind of stuff. But I I'm not moved by that. That's never been something that's concerned me my team building philosophy has always been 
get as much talent as possible that's either through the draft with high you know high level draft picks or cobbling together said draft picks um and and players to to get needle mover type players um so whatever approach they take and i think those approaches apply differently and, and this is a weird time where i think the pelicans can do both they can cobble together a bunch of draft picks that are not the lakers pick and go get that noodle mover and then still have a lottery level pick um that they hold on to and they bring into the the system um you know this summer and so like mm-hmm. they 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 have the ability to do that um it's just I, yeah I, I why not why not do that <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm i'm with you i mean i i, I think if the move's there you just got to you, you know the skills of the players you have and you're just going to have to you know, take, take that shot. Um, if, if, if the player is available and you think the the price is right, make the move. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think they're probably going to, I think they have to move Devante. I, I really do. You know, um, they, they have to move Devante and I think they have to move Jackson because that's like, otherwise you're just not going to be able to use Jackson's salary this summer. Um, ideally they can put Temple on a deal too, but we're not we're not like really worried about that um but but let's talk about Devontae for a second um and and circle back to trade targets in in, in a little bit um Devontae Graham I tweeted uh you know the last 25 games he's averaged four points a game 20 percent shooting 25 games four points a game like yeah he's not playing that many minutes 15 15 17 minutes a game um that's miserable that's miserable and I like for the life of me do not understand okay for like you know the first maybe 10, 15 of those Kyra wasn't healthy, right? Like, I get it. He's cleared. He's playing. He's done a sit down in the G League. What has to occur to get Devontae out of the rotation? What? Like, there is no bar of failure that, that you know, seemingly it can't be crossed. He's just on the court no matter what he does. It does not matter. He could, like... He could literally take a shit on on like the fucking logo. Oh no, I shouldn't be cursing. I, um, I, I messed up at the top of the broadcast. I, I when I was talking about the kid. <laughs> oh no, Lala, I apologize. We're gonna have to censor this. <laughs> um, crap. <laughs> Anyways, what I just don't understand what needs to occur um, mm-hmm. to to get him off the court. It's it, we have a twenty five game sample. We had, you know, an enormous sample with, with Garrett Temple last year of him just being horrible. So what Devontae what wasn't good happen? last year too, beyond like once basically he was he was decent in 2021. Once the calendar flipped, it's been like a year of him, year plus of him just being not not great. I mean I give him a ton of credit for doing his job last year. He held the fort down yeah, while Zion was out and yeah. CJ wasn't on the team. He was a positive, like a net rating positive. He was a contributor to a very potent starting lineup. Um, those are something you you scoff at, but that's clearly not the case right now, right? Yeah. Like, I, at what point does his lack of production, lack of efficiency, lack of ability to, to impact the game in any meaningful way make you look at your lottery pick who hasn't had time to get extended run and you don't know what you have with him. And he does have at least an outlier level skill uh, or attribute, which is his speed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like what, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a good answer. Um, it's and, and, and like, it's... like, well, why don't you ask Willie green that? And I'm like, I don't, one thing I need y'all to understand is, when, when the media asked Willie Green that kind of stuff last year, it did not work out, right? Um, he was oftentimes just not happy about those questions, uh, giving very short responses. Um, and then the the final one, he just straight up said, I don't know. So so it, it's not, you know, you were just not going to get the response that you're hoping for. He's not going to be like, well, Demonte does X, Y, Z things better, and Kyra doesn't do these things. He's just not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I'm just not going to ask that question. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, and it's not even like, I, I don't think teams are respecting his 
jump shot. Like at this point, like he's he's he's, un, he's undersized, so it's not so you can close out on him fairly easily. And uh, yes, he he is one of the few players in the Pelicans besides like Trey Murphy and maybe CJ sometimes who aren't afraid to pull up like from three or four feet behind the three point line. But teams don't care, <laughs> and he's not making them at a high enough clip to matter. Like so, I I don't I don't understand it. Um, and you you could just outright remove him from the rotation if the team was was healthy. Um, not that I'm saying Willie would, but at this point you've got to find a replacement somewhere. And I I'm with you. Like why not why not give Kyra a shot? Like at the very least, you know you've got to find out what you have in him. And you can't like replacing Devontae's minutes with his. I don't see how it makes the team worse. I, I just don't. Right. It, it, like a worst case scenario, Kyra also gives you four points a game on 28 percent shooting. Like, what are we doing here? And, and and please, like, I I am not going to believe that there is a massive defensive difference between Kyra and Devontae. First of all, Kyra might just straight up be better on defense. Um, but but I don't believe that there is a massive defensive difference to where in those possessions the game is going to be swung upon the 15 minutes or the nine minutes you give Kyra uh, versus Devontae. Like, and it, it, Sorry, you were saying something? No, like just like in, in beyond, like if, if we've said this for months, like if Devontae's not making threes, what is he doing for you? Just in just kind of big picture wise. And like with 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 Kyra, you at least get a point guard, more of a point guard skill set. You get a guy who is, like you said, very fast, can can uh, facilitate for others. He's going to turn the ball over because that's what young point guards do is turn the ball over. But um, I, I want like looking, watching these last few games for the Pelicans, like, I just want somebody besides Dyson Daniels who could throw an entry pass into Jonas Valanciunas. Like, I, I feel like the Pelicans don't have that. And like, that's one of the things, you know, we were talking about Jose closing instead of Dyson and, and not neither of us being a fan of that, but like, there's some basic skills that I feel like you can like, you, why not try guys who, who might have, who might have that skill, you know? And, 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 and even if they don't have that skill, you know what Kyra can do that maybe, one other person can do on this team on like a consistent level is put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. Yeah. He can do that. You you know, like if he, if he, if he's trying to fake that entry pass in and someone's biting on it, he's just going to zoom by you. Like he just needs a step to zoom by you. Um, and, and the thing is like right now we're in the doldrums of the season. And a lot of these like rotation uh, guys have been extended beyond their role and they're, and they're struggling and, and, and their efficiency is dipping their night their their consistency is dipping. And then Jose has been one of those guys, Jose's um, you know, he yes. started off the year extremely hot. He was shooting like 70% at the rim. He was shooting like 44% from three. And, 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 and all of those numbers have, have quietly dipped down. And, and, you know, the Jose still has his nights where, where, okay, he's like, all right, you're, you're doing great stuff on the court. He's always going to be an energy factor. Um, I don't think Kyra should be coming for Jose's minute by any means, but they're giving Devante minutes. And when, while guys are hurt, this is the perfect time to slide him into the lineup. When Brandon Ingram comes back, when Zion comes back, you may never have minutes for Kyra. You just straight up might not have minutes yeah. for him. And, and you will, at what, at that point you have then had three seasons of his career and not figured out what he is. And, and that to me is a failure of not management because that, that is a failure of a coaching staff. Um, just not, you know, figuring out what they got on their own team. Yeah. And even guys like Jackson have gotten opportunity over and over and over and over again. I understand he's a big, plays a different, you know, position, but my God, what does it take to get Kyra on the court? Yeah. Don't have a good answer, um, but we'll see. We'll see if things change. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we both kind of agree that Devontae isn't, isn't going to last past the trade deadline. And so I don't know. I mean, are they, I, I, I feel like, I feel like um, pushed we, the Pels put maybe pushed too many chips in when it came to Devontae's minutes this year. I feel like I feel like he had a stretch like every like he did last year too. He had a stretch where he was decent, and then he reverted back to what we've mostly seen from him. But um, even his so, decent stretch like didn't move the needle. Like no. that's the thing. Even Devontae at his best didn't move the needle. It was Zion lifting those units, right? It was it was all the others kind of like putting in their work, and you're okay. Like these minutes are tenable when Zion's going nuclear and Devontae's hitting two threes per game like okay like what, <laughs> what, what? No. I, anyways we spent yeah. a lot on, on Devontae and, and like it I, I really don't like coming across like I I dislike the guy because like it's yeah. just not has, has nothing to do with him um but and movies, well, I, I think just one, one last comment on this is like it's almost it's not uh, with with Garrett Temple last year we were kind of incensed because 
it looked it was actually impacting the Pelicans win loss record. Like I think we can fairly say that. I'm not I don't I do not believe that changing Devontae for Kyra meaningfully changes the team's overall outlook, but I think it's more about we want to see Kyra play. Like we want to see what they've got in this lottery pick, you know? And so that to me, that's what it's about. You may disagree about the overall you know, impact on the standings or win-loss record. Does does, does really does Devontae to Kyra really swing a game or two? I, I I don't buy it, but I really want to see Kyra and what the Pelicans have with him. Because time is kind of if the team continues to improve and improve, the opportunities for him, like you said, dwindle. And, and so, like, what better chance do you have to see what you got in him than right now? Nobody knows. Um <laughs> Changing gears, uh, based off of reporting, based off of things I've heard, uh, things you may have heard, things that we've frequently discussed on this podcast for who knows, you know, why, why would we talk about those things? Um, it, it does seem like the two main targets for the Pelicans at the trade deadline um, that are materializing are, are OG Ananobi and Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, we've discussed those two players uh, at length on this pod, um, not just this year. You know, we've we've, we've spent summer talking about uh, some of these players too, and and those are the two hottest names on the trade market. Every team wants to be a part of of trying to get one of those players. And the reporting. Let's talk about OG for a second because the reporting on him seems to be kind of all over the place. Oh, they want a Donovan Mitchell type package. Oh, they want a DeJounte Murray type package. Oh, actually, you know, it's going to cost two young players and a, and a, and a pick maybe. Um, I don't think anything is particularly reliable at this juncture, nor is it reflective of what's actually going to happen at the deadline. I think um, things, things change very rapidly uh, in, in those last 48 hours. Um, the biggest one, you know, uh, is if you remember the, the Vladi Divac um, interview after Boogie was traded and they asked him like, you know, like, well, is this the best you could get? He's like, we actually had a better deal two days ago or something. It was, it was just like, I thought you were about to talk about like a Vladi Divac trade, like back when he was playing, I was like, no, I don't, he whatever you're about G- to say, I'm, I don't remember. <laughs> he was the GM of, of the Kings and the whole Boogie stuff was like, oh, we're not trading Boogie. Oh, we're not trading Boogie. Oh, we're not trading Boogie. The Pelicans have traded for Boogie. And then they interviewed him and they're like, well, you got one first round pick. He's like, there was actually two on the table like a few days ago. And it's like. Kings. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we um, like, I feel like we should talk to him about the Kings because they're actually playing pretty damn well right now. The so. Kings are ahead of the Pelicans in in in, in the the loss column. And standings. Now they're ahead standings. winning percentage too, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they are a really fun team with a really fun coach. Love De'Aaron Fox. Love Sabonis. Um, mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, that's what happened. And it happens every year, you know, teams have to then make a decision on like, okay, are we just are we going to pull the triggers? It's the best we can get. Or are we just, you know, hold on to our guy. Um, the Toronto Raptors held on to their guy in Kyle Lowry last year or two years ago. Um, when, 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 you know, he was on the market and they the kind of like, offer, right? yeah, they, they kind of like, there was they a lot of that. things yeah. anyways. Um, I, Curious to see if they've like learned from that quote unquote, or if that's just the approach they're going to play. I I have heard that um, they they are trying to combine OG and Gary Trent Jr. for something bigger, uh, trying to make a play at a star. But it certainly seems like that's not painting out, um, and and their runway on that is is quickly closing. Rudy um, Gobert might be available. Yeah, they might want to check on that. I'm gonna check on Rudy Gobert. Um, yeah, I was just like, like the Angel Russell. <laughs> it's an All Star. Uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, former All Star. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, if if OG and Gary Trent could get you a star, then I think a lot of other teams would be calling about said star, no. um, including the Pelicans. <laughs> I think the Pelicans could also go get after the, the you know that star. So I, you know, I think it's just a, a waiting game to see like where, what's going on. They also have Fred VanVleet, who seems to be more likely to be moved um, than than not. Uh, one of my f- favorite hilarious fake trade scenarios is getting Jonathan Isaac to the Toronto Raptors to keep bringing in six, nine basketball weirdos who can't shoot, but are, you know, good at defense and, and, and switch and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, that'd be pretty funny. I think they could is, probably do. Like, is Isaac so, allowed to play in Canada? Oh my God. 
That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like I read something that said they, that even the Kansas lacks their vaccination policies, but um, I he think probably it's is right. Kyrie did. Oh, I don't know, dude. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh, right, we'll have to look that up anyways. Yep. Um, that would be really funny if that's what like the, the trade doesn't go down. But I mean, they could put it together with you know like Mo Bamba, um, Terrence Ross, some young players, some picks. They could kind of like yeah. make that work. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a. I think the to, to, to speak to you know things gonna or the the dynamics will change as we get closer to the deadline. There's something to be said for the fact that the plan has created a scenario where you've got a lot more buyers and sellers. I my, I guess what I'm curious about is who are the who are the kind of stand pat teams? Because I feel like we always talk about it with these two extremes, like who's buying, who's selling. Like, I feel like there are some teams this year, maybe who just kind of like are going to wait, wait it out and not even like try to do anything. Like, uh, like the Pacers, I feel like are a good example of like, Oh, well, we're better I think than the we Pacers are buyers. You think they're big, you, th- you think so? I mean, they're fine. I think they're going right to mm-hmm. attempt to buy, um, yeah. whether they, whether they choose, you know, whether they succeed right. is a different question. I think they're going to attempt to buy. I think they're going to try to use Turner as a buying chip, not a selling chip. Yeah. Um, I think like like well even you know even if it's like Aiden right I think I consider that as a, as a buy move. Um, yeah. I think they're gonna attempt to buy. Uh, I think OKC okay, will stand pat. I think they'll do like money laundering moves. Um, <laughs> money, I love what you call it that money laundering. Moves. <laughs> I think they'll do that. Um, San Antonio uh, probably does. You know, so I think some of these bad teams like do some of those cap moves. But like, do the Bulls do anything? I don't think they do. The Blazers probably Blazers want to buy. Does anyone want any of their stuff? Probably not. Yeah. I think. Well, I think Josh Hart moves. I think they they have to move Josh Hart. I think he's gonna opt out. I'm, I think they're gonna. I'm curious what they do because like they're getting a couple guys healthy now, like Gary Payton. They've been second, healthy. But... They stink. <laughs> Gary Payton. They're two games Gary... under 500. They don't stink. The, the Suns are three games under 500. Like they're two they teams that stink. stink. They're two teams of us that stink. They're okay. No, variety. those are super stinkers. <laughs> These are just like the regular old stinkers. Like nobody cares. Whatever. Anyways, um, I think they move Josh Hart. I I think they move him for for even if it's like a, a re-roll on the salary. Um, like getting someone that has money One next year. year. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think they move Josh Hart. But eh, I don't know. I don't know. I, it should, could be a wild deadline. Could be a not wild deadline. Oh, Toronto and a star. Uh, does Chris Stapps count? He's been playing really well. See, I could see. Would you move OG and Trent for Kristaps? No, I would not. Um, I, I would not do that. But I, I could see a world where Siakam and, and Kristaps work together. I, I see think that. it could be a good team. I think you would yeah. want OG on that team, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would. Uh, so would it? Would maybe they can do Fred, Fred and Trent for Kristaps. That's see, that's that's not bad. Um, yeah, and I feel like the Wizards could use some. I guess I mean they need a real. I mean Monty Morris is good, but yeah. I think they need like a real point guard, well, yeah. like someone better than Monty Morris. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It, tough, tough to see. Uh, the Knicks, I think, want to do some stuff. They're a good team so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Stamp Pat, Boston and Memphis probably Stamp Pat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta's um, kind of in that same spot as Indiana, I think. Like teams around 500 that like could trade good players as, as buyers. Like you mentioned, Miles Turner, like obviously, I mean, do you think John Collins goes by the deadline? Does this, does it finally happen? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> John Collins, dude, I would like to see him in Utah or, or Indiana. I think that that's another, you know, like that's Miles another Turner for Collins. No, that's doesn't work yeah. the color there. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't think they care. Uh, they being Atlanta, I think they just, that they get money on, like they just get off that contract. Like if they get Turner in a pick, <laughs> I think Atlanta is more than happy. You could probably, probably re- three teamer. Yeah. yeah, you could probably just reroute Turner to like Charlotte. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, dude. I think I think that's totally doable. I think yeah. Collins probably ends up in Utah or, or Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Um dang, I think you know, we've we've kind of gone through some of those major pieces. The one thing I think people uh, I I want to stress is the Pelicans are very keenly looking at their tax situation. They trade for OG. They're almost assuredly going to be a tax team next year. I mean, they could like move Larry or or Jonas at some point or a couple other players to get under. Um, and that's a decision they don't have to make until the end of next year. Right. They don't have to right. do it in the summer. They could do it at the deadline. They can even do it at the end of the year. Like 
when they're eliminated from their postseason run, they can do that. Um, yeah. But, you know, I that'll be up to them to decide what they want to do. To trade for Bojan, they'll have a little bit more flexibility because um, I think he's a little – well, no, it's the same situation. It's the same situation. Really. But I think it's a, good, it's, it's a good point on the other on the other side of that coin too is that those those guys are both making just under 20. And, yeah. and so, like, that that does give you the flexibility if you really wanted to. Whereas, like, if you go trade for John Collins, like, sorry, you're kind of stuck. You're, you're paying the mm-hmm. tax next year, right? Same Whereas, with Aiden. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you go trade for uh, for OG or you go trade for Bogdanovich, like, if you really want to be the, a team that's competing for the finals, you, you, you better pay the tax next year. But if something goes wrong and you want to get out from under it, you should be able to without a ton of pain. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, someone would want deadline. Someone would want Bojan at the deadline, and right. or you know, one of these other like like Jonas would be an expiring. Or Jonas, um, right? That's what I was, that's that would probably be the prime candidate if they need, if they need to get under next year. Is probably yeah. Like, I, I think they should keep all those guys together, but yeah. you know, but I guess things, things can go sideways. Things can go yeah. sideways. Yeah. Last question uh, for me, I guess, is, is Jonas is a good topic. I, I think. Um, do you feel like you know how they've had their, they've been forced to rely on him more essentially with the injuries? But do you? What do you see happening whenever this team gets back to full strength? I mean, do you see the uh, and obviously post trade deadline, you could have a, a brand new face in the locker room that that makes this question irrelevant. But like, do you think that Jonas has earned himself more trust from Willie Green, the coaching staff, and crunch time minutes when the team's fully healthy? Do you think he he's there, he's a little less reliant on Larry Nance, and, and we'll go to Jonas in the right matchups? Or do you think we go exactly back to where we were before? I think we go exactly back. I'm not a believer that that willie has changed on this front i think he's just doing it out of necessity um and um which is unfortunate jonas has been playing extremely well um i just i I think he i think he sees like like i think like jonas and billy are judged a little bit on a different scale than some of the other players on the pelicans and i don't know why uh that's the case but you know i think there was there's been, there was a moment where like Willie like publicly chewed up like Billy um after like missing a rotation or something he did the, like he called an anchor time out to do that with Jonas and like I have not seen him do that with any of the other players um which is unfortunate you know I've seen him coach up players and and maybe I've, I've missed it uh but I just don't think he like views them uh similarly to to the other players and I, I think when when the trade is made that's what happens although like God like. If if they trade for OG and that's your starting lineup, like I can't find five better starting lineups, and that should be your closing lineups. And I think when you close with Larry, I've said this all year long, you do this when you have a lead and you want to keep the other team off the three point line. You switch everything. You you know make all those threes either iso ball threes or um, contested threes. You give up twos while you're scoring on the other end. Um, cause you're not, you shouldn't be able to beat the Pelicans from two. You shouldn't. Uh, but you know, we've obviously seen, um, things not go the way they need to go before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I expect that you're right. I'm hoping that there's at least a little bit of a, of a, of a shift, even if it's just situational, even if there are certain, you know, I feel like Willie went exclusively to Larry Nance and crunch time kind of before the injuries popped up, but um you know even this to see that change but but i guess like even most recently like he went to jackson when he should have gone to billy like and he went to billy when he should have gone to someone else like like i i feel like I, I don't know i feel like situational matchups aren't a thing that he likes to do um but you know we'll see so thank you that's the thing right. is like if you trade for a guy like og or you know even if it's trent um Matchup and they're please. in the well, yeah like like is, does the offense and does the lineup get so good to where you're just like, I just got to keep playing my best guys? Because like it could look completely different when you know those are the five guys. Obviously, I have no idea when people are going to be healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what that does for the team. I mean, we could just change their outlook. Be like, we're just so dominant. Like, we're going to keep playing these guys. Um, yeah. Tough, tough, tough. Well, here's a question. If you trade for Bojan, is he coming off the bench or is he starting for you? I... I think he's got to start. He's playing so well in Detroit. I, I, I think he certainly closes. I, I could see the argument to him not starting, but I think, I think he does. I mean, like you, you surround CJ. So you just go all in on offense, and your defense is like, yeah. 
<laughs> Unless you start Najee, right? <laughs> well, who you benching? Yeah, no, I know. Um, I mean, uh, look, we 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 don't have a ton, I don't have a ton of time left, but like the I think we got there's some Trey Murphy discussion we need to have too about his tentativeness, but. Um, the Trey Murphy discussion in a nutshell is he's got to be better. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's got to provide more than just his spacing and shooting. He's got to rebound the ball. I do like his activity. He's been getting a lot of blocks and steals recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been good. He's got to rebound the ball. You can't call yourself 6'10 um, and, and not rebound. The he's got to shoot first. it. He's got to shoot the damn ball. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, that too is like yeah. shoot the ball. And I think part of that is is his footwork um, and release point. Uh, make it a little bit difficult to to shoot it over closeouts, but he's got to get comfortable doing that. I think right now the team is just like scared to miss make mistakes, um, and and, and some you, of that's going on. I, um, I want to believe that's why. I, like I, I was I was talking actually with uh, Adam McCurry, so uh, Kristen Clark's co-host on their on their podcast, and and so one thing was, I, I is is he just so hyper focused on percentages, like and just he's afraid to take shots that are even mildly contested when he, like sometimes those are good shots, and and so with him I think they are good shots. He's so tall he can shoot over guys and so I, I just wish he i wish he'd take more contested threes which sounds like a weird thing to say but but i feel like yeah i, I don't know if it's about percentage i just think that like they're very possession oriented and like i i don't think he has the full backing and trust of willie green and so he's not going to do something yeah he's been benched in closing minutes so i think makes, yeah. in, in in other in other times like i look i think it's a world of difference when you have the full support of a coaching staff behind you yeah. versus like you're kind of walking on eggshells and i i don't want to like make it out that like you know like trey fucks up no, damn it oh can't curse <laughs> uh, um trey messes up once and um and it becomes a problem but uh, I, I do think he has a shorter leash. I think he's amongst those those people. But like I said, he can when while he's dealing with that stuff, he needs to be able to show up on the box score and impact the game in in other ways. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I do sorry. think he's got a good 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 future ahead of him, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so yeah, back to that question. I guess we can we can wrap. But like, I do you, do you not think would do you bring Bogdanovich off the bench? Or do you, you've got it. You've been, you've been pounding the drum on like, let's go all offense for a while now. I feel like you're going to start him. I would, assuming none of Trey, Najee, Herb, Dyson are in that Boyan deal. Um, I assume none of those young players are in that deal. Uh, I would still want to start Najee. Um, Okay. And I, I, I think I am all out on Herb Jones as a starter. Uh, in this team construction, um, if they go and get a guy like Chris Stapps as their five, I'm back in. Um, but as long as Herb and Jonas are on the team and Zion is healthy, I am out on Herb Jones as a starter. Uh, so I need I need someone else that gives me more offense. I would start Najee, and I would 100% close to Boyan. And, and I'd try to find a way to get Boyan 30 to 33 minutes a game. Okay. Yeah, there might be I, like a couple games where I don't close with Boyan, just matchup dependent. But like, he needs to be an integral part of, of whatever the Pels are doing. Yeah, he's like what? He's six six, six seven. How, I don't yeah. know how tall he is, but yeah, yeah, six six seven. Yeah, at least you got the size here. I, and but I mean, they've got. Yeah, you've got some. You absolutely need Jonas is so important to that lineup. You've because you, you you need the rebounding. In you're there. not um, not starting. Yeah, Jonas. It's just that's just not happening. Well, just like he needs to play like a lot uh, or yeah. play like real starter minutes, not just like this fake stuff where Larry, Larry Nance gobbles up a lot of what he was doing. Um, so, right. Um, yeah. Another thing is like trading for Boyan directly cuts into Trey's minutes, which is like not great from a development standpoint. But I think if they're smart, they can manage all of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and you also like. I think I think I would still if I'm gonna start someone that's not Bojan, I I would still like. I feel like I'm. Uh, uh, I would start Di- a Dyson uh, instead of Naji um, if I was gonna do if I was gonna go with that. Like I feel like I feel like it's okay to have a lower usage guy in there, like Dyson. I, obviously, he's got to do some things better, but I don't know. I I just. I really want Najee to to just mash against second units, and I just feel like there's enough creation with that. And we've we've talked about this before, but like I, yeah. I, 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 I get, I get I where you're coming from. I just again the the, the Dyson Daniels conversation is he has got to be a threat offensively. I can't have I can't bench Herb and then bring in Herb 
who is also reluctant to shoot and not, you know, giving you what you need offensively. And a little, that's a little mm-hmm. bit different with Dyson because like he can put the ball on the floor, playmaking right. and all that. But right. we've clearly seen that they don't trust him as trust a full time point guard yet. And it's just fine. Right. He's got to earn his dues. He's also got to show it, uh, show that he's ready for it. Um, but when Zion's on the on the court, Bi's on the court, like that last guy is just not going to have the ball. Like I don't care, you know, like it, 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 right. they're just not going to have the ball that much. And so. I think Najee just is a little bit better in terms of like playing off of others offensively because he can keep maintain a level of aggression that just Dyson and Herb haven't shown yet. Um, yeah, or, you know, fair. like Herb can be aggressive, but he just yeah. is good offensively. Yeah. I will acknowledge it to a point. I'm, 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 I'm maybe thinking a little too much about like what benefits the player most versus what benefits the team most. And I'm like thinking about like Dyson with those starters seems like it, like that's a, that's an environment where he can thrive versus Dyson with the, with the bench lineups. I, I, I think that, so you you you've got some ball handling across him and and some of the second unit guys, but like how much how much shot creation do you have? But you're you're gonna stagger starters, so like does it does it really? That's yeah, probably not a yeah. big concern. I mean, if Boyan's there, I think yeah, things become yeah. easier. Like that that answer becomes easier. Yeah. Anyway. Good problems though. Good problems. They yeah. got good players. Yeah. Bill's <laughs> got good players. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Mason, I don't want to take too much of your time uh, from your family. So uh, I appreciate you joining me here. Uh, and folks, uh, thanks for listening. Just want to give a quick shout out to DraftKings. Um, four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you're not a new customer, you can uh, feel the conference championship thrills with stepped up same game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Um, you know, I'm, I love football, so I will be keeping an eye on all of these games, <laughs> bet on all the football games. Um, but download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code BOOT, B O O T, as you see on your screen. Uh, new customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, use the code BOOT, B O O T, minimum age and eligibility uh, restrictions apply. Um, if you got a gambling problem, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's for uh, New York, H-O-P-E-N-Y. Um, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, that's 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the DraftKings, baby. Make sure you check them out.